0: Well, good morning again. I'm Pastor Stan, Discipleship Pastor here. Pastor Joel is off in America. He will be coming back this week. And uh, Lord willing, he will be standing here and giving the message next Sunday. We look forward to that time. He's having a wonderful time with children and grandchildren. And uh, just want to keep him uh, lifted up in prayer. I want to uh, share a message with you this morning. I want you to meet two friends of mine. I've actually never met them. I'm I'm not that old. Uh, Priscilla and Aquila. I have never preached a message uh, on these two. I've never really used these scriptures. It's kind of the places where you find these names. Sometimes you just skip over them. But I think there's something really valuable here. And even today, as I was uh, meditating and praying uh, about this, this message, I see some connections to what's going on here in Hong Kong even, even uh, in the last few weeks. And so I want you to, uh, to greet these people. Um, and by the way, as I've been thinking about this and, and, uh, and going over it, sometimes I think of another couple That was mentioned in Acts. If I mentioned their names, Ananias and Sapphira, realize that my mind is just mixed up. You don't want to be like Ananias and Sapphira. They're the ones from Acts chapter 5 that withheld uh, part of the gift. And uh, the the memory that I have of the book of Acts, we had to memorize uh, an outline for it. And uh, Acts chapter 5 was Ananias and Sapphira lied and died. So... If I do that, just remember that I'm talking about Priscilla and Aquila, and something's just going, something snapped in my mind, okay? But Priscilla and Aquila are, are found in the Bible six times, a total of about eight verses that mention them, spread out over uh, four different books. And so we, we have to put together the story of their life from, from different places, and find out what was going on in Paul's life as he was with them, and he's the one that, that mentions them. Um, the first place is in, in Acts. In Acts chapter 18, there's actually three of the references to Aquila and Priscilla, and by the way, uh, for those of you that want to be correct with having either the woman's name first or, this, or the man's name first, in four of the references, Priscilla the woman is mentioned first, and in two of the references, Aquila the man is mentioned first. Uh, so I don't know that there's any correct, right, proper way to do it. Um, but uh, in Acts chapter 18 we have the first three references. And I want to kind of work my way through. These are the three references um, all put together so you can see them on the screen at one time. And um, this is in in the Apostle Paul's life. This is during his second missionary journey. He's gone up through Turkey and Greece, as the countries are now called, and he's been sharing the gospel. He had had ministry in uh, Thessalonica, Berea, and Athens prior to coming to Corinth and it's in Corinth that he meets Priscilla and Aquila and that's where we have this first reference in Acts chapter 18 verses 2 and 3. And there he, meaning Paul, met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius, who was the Roman emperor, had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them and because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. So Paul's going through his missionary journey, and by the way, um, it was not uh, uh, there. Were, there were problems in this journey. He was run out of Thessalonica. He went on to Berea. The troublemakers followed him from Thessalonica to Berea, and Paul had to leave Berea. He left his helpers Silas and Timothy in Berea, and Paul said, "I'll meet you in Athens." It's a city in turmoil. It's a country in turmoil there. Um, and, and Paul is doing ministry there. And it's interesting, we find out that he meets Aquila and Priscilla in Corinth, and they had to leave Rome because things weren't going good in Rome. A city in turmoil. And uh, um, Claudius was the Roman emperor. He had done some things. If you go back into history, you find that he had done some things that had made the, uh, uh, the Jewish people leave Rome during that time. Now, if you fast forward uh, about 20 years in Rome, Rome was not a, a good place for a Christian to be. Uh, this, is, this is after Aquila would have been there. Rome was a, a, a city that was blaming the Christians for all the problems that they had in the Roman Empire. And they used the Christians for entertainment in the circus, where they had lions and Christians. And if they had a night show, they used the Christians for the torches. And so in the midst of a city in turmoil... Here, Aquila and Priscilla leave that city. They go to meet Paul, who's just had trouble where he was. And they have a special bond. Because they were both tent makers. Aquila and Priscilla were tent makers by trade. And Paul had a background in, in making tents. Paul quickly met up with them and... Um, I'm not sure if he lived with them, but he certainly worked with them, he stayed with them, he ministered with them for for quite a period of time. And as we find and start tracking through the times when Paul mentions them, we see this long-term relationship that Paul had with Priscilla and Aquila. And so we go on to verse 18 and we see the second time where Paul mentions them. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria. Now that's back towards Israel, the promised land, uh, Jerusalem and all that kind of stuff. So Paul is ending his second missionary journey and he is leaving Corinth on the way. He needs to sail across the Aegean Sea. He goes to the city of Ephesus, ends up staying there for a little while and then takes a ship on to Syria. And so we have quite a period of time compressed here into one verse in verse 18. He sailed for Syria and was accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Apparently, as he's leaving Corinth, the three of them leave, and Priscilla and Aquila go with him, go with him as far as the city of Ephesus. Um, and so this is, this is kind of interesting because if you look in your Bible, I was looking to see, well, where's the clear demarcation between Paul's second missionary journey and Paul's third missionary journey? It's there in verse 22. Verse 22, um, he lands in Caesarea, he's ending his first missionary journey, and then he goes up to Antioch, which is the beginning of the third. So, once again, quite a period of time is compressed here in just a few verses, and Paul moves on. Now, keep in mind what was going on. Paul lived and worked with Priscilla and Aquila for a period of time in the city of Corinth. They got to hear Paul teach, and uh, they got to see how he ministered. They got to see what was going on in Paul's life. Aquila and Priscilla learned a lot from the Apostle Paul during that time. And they were so valuable to him that he took them along with him when he went to Ephesus. He ended up leaving them at Ephesus while he sailed back um, to Syria, back, back to Jerusalem. He left Priscilla and Aquila there. So see what happens next here. The number of months, maybe perhaps a number of years go by into verse 26 when he, Apollos, we have another person interjected here, he, Apollos, began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And Apollos is, is affirmed as a good teacher, but he was only teaching the baptism of John, not the baptism and the full teaching of Christ. And so Priscilla and Aquila heard him and they invited him to their home and they explained to him the way of God more adequately. Now who's doing this? Who's doing the teaching? Aquila and Priscilla are doing the teaching. They got left behind in Ephesus as Paul went on to do do the ministry as he he finished out his second missionary journey. Paul was hoping to come back. But he leaves them there, and Apollos comes, and he doesn't understand the full teaching of the gospel. And so Aquila and Priscilla, it seems like, very kindly, very gently, take them into their home and teach Apollos more of the correct teaching. Apollos ends up going on and teaching elsewhere. But they got their foundation from these two people, this married couple, that were so kind in their ministry. And so those are three of the opportunities that we have to see what Aquila and Priscilla are like and how they learned and found out who Jesus was and and, and how to teach Him more fully. And so then we get into the other three times when this couple is mentioned in the New Testament. And these are the verses that oftentimes get skipped over. It's like the last chapter of the book. And when you have a book that's written by the Apostle Paul, he gets to the end there, and he seems to send all kinds of final remarks and greetings about different people. It's a list of names. It's a list of people. And to be honest with you, it's hard to follow all of these. There's this person and this person, and how do they connect and everything. So I just want to connect uh, Priscilla and Aquila here at the end of Romans. Romans chapter 16, the last chapter, chapter of Romans... Paul says, in, towards the beginning of his list of people that he talks about, he says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. Now, they must have gone back to Rome, because Paul's writing this letter to, to the church at Rome. So somehow they must have gone back to Rome during while, while Paul was elsewhere. And he says this about them. He says, They risked their lives for me. And we don't know specifically what that refers to, but we know that Paul was chased out of a few cities, and Paul's life was in danger a number of times. And this couple risked their lives for the Apostle Paul. So he says, greet them. And he says, not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Their ministry must have gone out far and wide so that they uh, they were able to take the gospel to other places. And Paul leaves one other little greeting here. He says, Greet also the church that meets at their house. And we see that again. We see that again in First Corinthians chapter sixteen, once again uh, the, the end of the book. He says the church is in the province of Asia, so that would have been a, in, in what's now Turkey. Corinth is in what is now Greece, the Aegean Sea is in between. The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings to the church at Corinth. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets in their house. So as Paul is writing this letter to the Corinthians, I'm not sure where this church is. Is this a church back in Ephesus, or this is a church in Rome? But it's noted here again that a church met in their house. And then the very last reference to Aquila and Priscilla comes in 2 Timothy. Once again, the end of the book, and Paul's giving a list of people that he sends greetings to, and he says, greet Priscilla and Aquila in the household of Onesiphorus." By the way, if any of you are looking for a name for a child, there's not too many of those. You can call your child Onesiphorus if you want. <laughs> so this is Aquila and Priscilla. Um, an interesting couple. And a couple that seems very much a common, ordinary couple. It's not like they're the Apostle Paul. It's not like they're some of the other big names, the the, the disciples, even Timothy. They're just sort of a regular couple that loves the Lord and wants to serve Him. So I wanted to look through, and I, and I looked through this collection of Scripture, and I wanted to see how this couple who partnered in ministry with Paul, what are some principles that we can learn from them? You have an outline, you can, you can fill these things in if you wish. And the first thing is, is really what I've already mentioned. They had a love for the Lord. It doesn't say that specifically, But we see how their life exemplified love for the Lord, and they were willing to put that into practice. They weren't moaning and groaning and saying, oh, we had to give up everything in Rome. We're out here, minister to us. They're they're saying, God, how can you use me? I love you. I want you to use me. And we see that happening as they have the church that meets in their house. They're protecting the Apostle Paul. They're teaching Apollos. This love for the Lord comes out. Sometimes people ask me, what are we looking for? Um, when when we're, Last week we talked about children's ministry. What are we looking for people who will minister the children? And I say, the first thing I say is I want people who love Jesus. We need to have a love for the Lord. If we're going to be involved in ministry, if we're going to be a partner in ministry, we need to have that love for the Lord. Last week, the scripture that we used came from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Love the Lord your God. And that's a verse that that Jesus quotes in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 22, and then again in Mark and Luke. Love the Lord your God. This is the very foundation of serving God. The next thing that I find is that uh, uh, Ananias and Sapphira... Supported the ministry in some very practical ways. You see, it was on the Apostle Paul's heart that he didn't want to be a burden for anyone anywhere that he went. And so he used the skill that he had of making tents, but he joined up with Ananias, uh, Ananias and Sapphira, uh, <laughs> with Did I do it twice? Okay, you keep track. Okay, we'll see how many of them I get. <laughs> my wife's up here, and, and Mark will keep track. Priscilla and Aquila, Um, uh, keeping track, they were supporting the Apostle Paul in his ministry. Without what they did, much of what the Apostle Paul did would not have happened. And I've seen that over and over again in ministry in the places that I've been. Here at AIC, you should come early sometime. And see all the things that go on beforehand before you get here, um, everything from bringing the coffee machine in to making sure the sound system works, that the chairs are lined up the right way, and just just everything going on where people are supporting the ministry that's going on. And Aquila and Priscilla were key to doing that in the Apostle's life, Apostle Paul's life. And I'm glad that the Bible gives us. These people, because they're not the heroes, they're the, they're the people that do it behind the scenes. Another thing that we have is we find that they were offering encouragement and support. The Apostle Paul must have had a lonely time as he traveled from place to place. And he needed that encouragement, some people to be with him. I mean, he's chased out of a city. He preaches what God tells him to do and he's chased out of the city. He needs to leave. And the Apostle Paul even writes in, in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. A big part of being a partner in ministry is to be that encourager, that one that encourages so that the ministry goes on. Another thing that I find is I find that the ministry continued because of Aquila and Priscilla. Or Priscilla and Aquila. The Apostle Paul didn't stay any place very long. Now, he was at Ephesus for, for a number of years. But he moved from place to place. And he, uh, Aquila and Priscilla continued that ministry of the Apostle Paul. The church met in their house. The ministry was able to go on. And as I was thinking about this, how important it is for the ministry to go on, I... I I remembered a time when that became so real in my life. We, some of you know that Mary Ann and I had the opportunity to do some ministry in Bangladesh. Of all places in the world, I never thought I'd, I'd be there, and God took us there three times. On the third trip, we were uh, invited to speak to a group of about 300 to 350 children's workers. Now, keep in mind, it's a country that's 1% Christian, and somehow they found 350 children's workers to gather together in one place. Quite phenomenal. We had uh, arranged our our plane ticket. We came in early uh, uh, because our daughter was there. We we met with her for a little bit. Um, And then our plane was going to leave the day after the conference was over. Um, Our daughter was in a hurry to get back to America, she was going to get married. In about uh, 30, 40 days. And so she didn't want us hanging around there any longer than we needed to. So this conference, I believe, was going to be on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or maybe it was a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I forget, but it was going to be a three-day conference. And the next day, the next day, we were going to leave. A few days before the conference was to start, we got introduced to the term Hartel. In Hong Kong, we say, Protests. And they would have massive uh, shutdowns and strikes where they would close down the city. And they called a big hartel for the first day of our conference. And we started realizing that we weren't going to be able to have the conference on the first day because um, they would be blocking the roads and nobody would be able to get there. So the leadership there decided that it would be best to delay the conference by one day, still have it for three days um, in length, but just start it one day later. That didn't work with my plane schedule. I had to leave for the third day. Well, I had been working with them with the the uh, the Bangladeshi people that had been there. In fact, we had trained seventeen people to do the ministry. And when they called me and asked me to come, I didn't even want to come. I said, "You've got people there that could do this conference, and they know the language. I'm going to need an interpreter." And you go by the principle, you know how it is. The person that travels the furthest is the biggest expert. Well, since it was about, I don't know, 10,000 kilometers or something between America and Bangladesh, I immediately became the biggest expert that they could find to invite to this conference. And so I said, okay, I'll come, but I want your people to be involved in every way possible. Well, there was a little bit of arguing with that, and they they didn't necessarily like that, uh, that idea. But then this Hartel came up that changed our schedule. And somehow I think God was fitting the pieces together. Because now I couldn't even be there for the third day of the conference. I spoke on whatever was the the, the second night, whether it was Friday or Saturday, we spoke on the second night in the evening, and I I think it was 9 or 9.30 at night. We got done, and we had our bags packed, and Marianne and I um, headed... uh, to a place close to the airport, and then next morning we got on the plane. I had no idea what happened. But what I was so delighted to see is that the partners in ministry carried on that third day probably better than if I was there. And you see how so many times the partners in ministry that God has placed to be a part of that ministry continue the ministry in a way that's hard to believe is even possible. And it happens here. It happens here as so many of you have jumped in and been a part of that ministry. We think about it when Pastor Mike left. We continued the ministry that went on because there were partners in ministry at that time. Something else that happens is we can multiply the ministry. Multiplication is something that we're about If ministry depends on how many relationships that I can have, the pastor can have, or Pastor Joel and I can have combined, the ministry is going to be rather limited. But as we can multiply the ministry, multiply the number of ministers that there are, then the ministry gets multiplied. It can go out and it can spread um, uh, to other people. We see this with Ananias, uh, with Aquila and Priscilla, only two and a half Two and a half, okay? <laughs> uh, with, with Aquila and Priscilla. Uh, you see, they learned from the Apostle Paul. And then they taught it to Apollos. And Apollos went on teaching it to other people. 2 Timothy two two, And the, Paul says, And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be able to teach others. Partners in ministry allow ministry to multiply. And then I see a tremendous camaraderie here in ministry where we're doing it together. The Apostle Paul is is connecting churches from Rome to, uh, to, to Corinth, to Ephesus. He's sharing this ministry together. And people can do it together and realize that we're not alone in ministry. And that's one of the tremendous things that we have as we gather here together. I'm excited that we have teams of people working with our children. They're doing ministry together. They can present um, a um, multiple of faces to the children and help them to see Jesus in them. And so as we do ministry together we have a tremendous opportunity. And then it's not really there in this scripture, but it's an important part of the Apostle Paul's teaching. If you look through 1 through, through Corinthians, you look through Romans, you look through Ephesians, we see the Apostle Paul talking about spiritual gifts. And I fully believe that, that Aquila and Priscilla were using the spiritual gift or gifts that God gave them. If nothing else, they had hospitality, they had helps, and they were using that gift. I hope that as a believer in Jesus Christ, you know what the spiritual gift or gifts are that God has given you. If not, come see me. We'll we'll help you. But I want to recognize that spiritual gifts are different than natural talents and learned abilities. Natural talents are things that you just naturally do well. Some things that you just like to do. I'm glad that my wife likes to cook, because I like to eat. <laughs> okay, She has, a, she has a, a natural ability there. But natural abilities can even go further, and, and as well as other things, we can, we can have learned abilities, where we can learn how to do something. You probably do this a lot at, at your employment. You do this through school. And I just want to say that these are three separate things, and we can offer all of them to God. But don't confuse a natural ability or a learned, uh, uh, let me get this right here. Don't confuse a natural talent and a learned ability with a spiritual gift. A spiritual gift is when God is working through you in a way that only God can do. And you see God doing things that are God-sized stuff. And I see that happening here at AIC. I see that happening in Aquila and Priscilla's life. We find it repeatedly in the New Testament. So I need to ask the question, how do we do this at AIC? How do we put into practice the idea that we're partners in ministry? How do we do what the Scripture is saying? Well, I just want to walk through... um, A graphic that we've used before, tried to clean it up just a little bit here, but I want to walk through it so that each of you can see how the leadership of this church believes that we can put into practice the idea of being partners in ministry. And it starts with our mission statement. It says, disciples who through the power of the Holy Spirit, and that part needs to be in there. All of this needs to be done through the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't want to do it on our own power. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we will glorify God by loving Christ, loving one another, and reach the world. That's a big calling. It starts inside, as we become partners in ministry. Now, there are four words that we have used, and... uh, um you don't get to see it i get to see it it's on the back board there um but there are four words that have been part of aic for longer than i've been here i don't know exactly where they originated from they all start with a g so we could call this our 4g network okay we want to be doing these four g's and they starts out with gathering we want to gather together for god's glory Next, it starts with growing. We want to grow together as disciples. We want to be giving of our time and resources to serve together. And we want to be going to share God's greatness with Hong Kong and the world. Have you heard those before? Hopefully you have. They've been been out numerous places. These are not new. It's been a part of AIC. It's core to what we, we believe the Scripture is teaching us to do. But I want you to look at these four things a little bit differently. Sometimes we look at it as we have a buffet set, and there's four things on it. We're going to pick the ones that we want to do. We want to be gathering. Oh, I'll go get a little growing here, and I'll go get a little going there, and that fills me up. And uh, someone else can do the other things. I want you to see it differently than that there are four separate items. I want you to see that the four are intricately connected and lead from one to the other. And so we change the diagram a little bit, and we say that gathering, this is a gathering where we gather together uh, to for God's glory, that leads us to be growing. And each believer in Jesus Christ should be gathering and worshiping God, and they should also be growing. So the gathering becomes something that propels us into growing. And as we grow, we don't just soak all that in for ourselves. We want to be involved in ministry. And so we're giving And a lot of times we think of giving, we think of money. But we want you to see it a lot bigger than that. We give of our time and our resources to glorify God. A lot of that happens here at AIC. But some of you may be involved in ministries elsewhere where you're giving. But that giving then propels us on to the next thing, and that is going. Where we go somewhere. We're going to people who haven't heard. We're ministering. It might be in your in your estate where you live. It might be where you work. It might be here in Hong Kong. It might be across the border. It might be across the sea. It might be wherever. But we're going to share God's goodness with Hong Kong and the world. And that then leads us back to the point where we're giving, we're giving, we're giving, We need filled back up again. So we gather with God's people. We worship Him. We celebrate Him. And we glorify Him. And so think of these things not as individual that you get to pick which one of the four you want to do. Think of it as all four of them need to be a part of every believer's life in Christ. God doesn't call any of us to sit here and keep the seats warm. We can turn off the air conditioning and accomplish that. We're here to be involved in all four, having all four involved in our life. And so we've put some very practical steps that, that, that fit into each one of these areas. And I've kind of mentioned them as I've gone along. We have the worship service where we gather. This is our main gathering event. This is the largest event that we have as a part of AIC. And this event here should be launching us out into some way where we grow. Now, what do we mean grow? We don't mean that you just take in a lot more knowledge. That will probably happen. But the knowledge leads us to love the Lord and to be involved in ministry. Actually, there's three things. If you look in your, in your bulletin, there's a, there's a thing for community groups there, and I put three words with it. Three things that we want to have happen. Uh, Because community groups is a big way that we do our growing. More people are involved in community groups than any other growing um, type ministry that we do here at AIC. Um, It seems to be quite effective in what we do. And so we encourage people to get involved in a community group to do three things. We want you to have fellowship together. We want you to pray together. And we want you to apply the truth of God's word to your life and find ways to live that out. And so community groups is the second place that we encourage people to get involved. Now, there are other things that, that go on, um, but community groups is the one that has the most people involved in it. And next, we, we talk about um, giving. And a lot of this is serving within AIC. And there's just a list of things there, children's ministry, youth ministry, uh, we can give our tithes and offerings. We can be an usher. We can be a welcomer. We can be a part of a missions team. We can be uh, serving. We can be involved in leadership. And there's probably more that you could, you could add on there. But we encourage people to get involved in some way in the giving area, which then propels us to be going out to share God's greatness with those outside of AIC. This is not an internal thing where we just do it all for ourselves. We do it to engage the world and the last part of the diagram are these little blue arrows and I think it makes the diagram not look so neat and tidy and all that kind of stuff Um, see I kind of ruined all that but I don't want to leave off the little blue arrows because each little blue arrow is a way for somebody to join us in our gathering our door is open People are welcome to come here. We want people to be welcomed into community groups. Somebody may join your group that's not a part of AIC. Uh, And they're involved in in growing with us. As we go out there and are involved in ministry, some of you are involved in children's ministry, and there's people that come here to church because we have children's ministry. They look at the sign. I, I can't believe how many people I hear see that sign and come here for some reason. They want to come for Awana. They want to come for children's ministry. So as you're giving of your time and resources, you're inviting people in. And then as we go, we touch lives of people. And so all of these things need to be a part of what we are about here at AIC. And so what I want to do is I just want to say, this is what it means to partner in ministry. Everyone can do it. Everyone can get involved. And people who aren't the superheroes like Priscilla and Aquila can do it. We can too. And I just want to say, I want to point something else out here in this diagram. This diagram is very, um, it's very dependent on the red area, the growing area up there. If we can move people from the gathering to the growing, they will oftentimes then grow and proceed on to the other two areas. It's a big challenge to get people involved in growing together. We want you to be involved in growing. So the community groups that we have are so strategic. The leaders that we have are so important to be involved here in in ministry, in partnering in ministry in what we're doing. So I wanted to just explain that to you. And I also want to take a little bit of time this morning to give you some uh, opportunities to to hear a little bit about the community groups um, so that if you're not involved, you can get involved. First of all, you have, a, you have an insert, it looks something like this, it's, a, it's an A5 size paper um, in your bulletin, and you can, you can see that and follow along. The first thing that I want to do is I want to let you know that we're starting a new group, a welcome group. If you say, I don't know about this community group thing, uh, but I'm willing to try it for a little bit. We invite you to be a part of this welcome group, and we're trying to make it as convenient as possible for you to get involved. We're going to hold it on Sunday afternoons at 1230, and we're even going to have some food there. Um, Jimmy and Louise, wave your hands. Yeah, Jimmy was the one up here for communion. Um, Jimmy and Louise are going to be heading that up. And uh, it's, going to, it's only going to go for seven weeks. We'll try to transition you into something else from there. But during the Experiencing God, which is going to start on 15 September, for seven weeks we're going to have a group for you to be a part of. You can try it um, and uh, come for as many weeks as you can um, and see how you like it. So if you're not involved in a group, I highly Highly recommend that you get involved in that. Um, another thing that we have going is we have the Alliance uh, Filipino Fellowship, and that meets on Saturday and Sunday. There are four groups on Saturday, seven groups on Sunday. And so I would like uh, Ophi, if you would just stand for a minute, make you stand. I'll get Jimmy and Louise to stand again, but uh, get you to stand there. Ophi, for the Sunday groups, and Mary Ann will ask you to stand, represent the Saturday groups. And I'd like all the uh, Sunday leaders that are here uh, to go ahead and stand along with Ophie. The Sunday Sunday group leaders uh, for AFF. Are you in the building? Okay. Good. I want you to see these people. You can connect with them. I want you to pray for them. I want you to see what God's doing. These are some of our partners in ministry. These are people that are partnering with God. Um, Another group that I want to highlight is uh, the Ignite, the young adult, and I think both of the leaders are not here today. Is Tracy Glidden here? Oh, Tracy is here. Good, good. Um, Becca is not here, but Tracy and Becca are doing that together. It's a young adult group. It meets Sunday afternoons. You can see Tracy over there if you want to get involved in it. It's a community group for young adults. Now, the others that are listed there are open groups. Um, They've been existing for for quite a while. Um, Some of them have room for new people to join them. And I'd like to ask if each of the group leaders uh, from one of the community groups, if you would stand. If you're a group leader, go ahead and stand. Stay up for just a minute so people can see you. I'm one, too, so... Um, okay, good. These are partner. Go, ahead, you, you can be seated. These are partners in ministry. This is um, Aquila and Priscilla here, and and there's there's many of you that are that are doing something else. But these are what we're encouraging people to get involved in. We want everyone at AIC to have the opportunity to be a part of a community group, which is our key area of growing. Now, I do need to confess this. We don't have enough groups. If everyone wanted to be in a group, we don't have enough. And I'm sorry. Hopefully we can get some of you in, uh, in Jimmy and Louise's group at the, at the start, and hopefully we can filter some of you into the existing groups. But I believe that we have enough people that could f- that would be interested in a group to immediately start two, maybe even three groups. And we need to have some people that are going to say, I'm willing to lead that. We need to have other people that are going to say, "I'm willing to have the church meet in my home, or someplace else." We'll find some place for you to meet. It might be your your uh, state clubhouse. It might be here at at, uh, at APSW. It might be somewhere. But we're looking for for a few people that will help us start another group because we would like everybody at AIC to have the opportunity to be involved in this. So. Hopefully you had an opportunity to greet our couple here and uh, get to know them and see what what God's doing through Priscilla and Aquila. And hopefully you see how we're trying to live that out here at AIC and encouraging each person to be involved in that. Matter of fact, uh, if your group is meeting this week, some of you will be meeting this afternoon we have questions that are in there in the bulletin on the back of the the color diagram we have some questions what usually happens in the community group is three things one they have fellowship together sometimes there's a meal sometimes there isn't but these people get to be friends they get to know each other two they pray together they share needs that they have very personal needs sometimes and they share them with one another And three, they apply God's word to their situation. And we ask the groups that most of the time they're studying what's happened, what's gone on in the sermon here to apply it. And I have a tongue-in-cheek way of saying it. We don't, for the most part, we don't do new teaching at these groups. Because I would much rather have people apply one sermon than forget two. And so we focus on what's going on there, and we invite you to become a part of it. So if you're not in a group yet, you can see some of what goes on by uh, filling out your outline, having the discussion here, the discussion questions, and being a part of that. And So I'd like to, uh, to close in prayer, and uh, we'll, we'll uh, close the service. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for ordinary people like Priscilla and Aquila who used the gifts that they had even in difficult situations. They used them repeatedly as they moved from place to place. They used them um, in ways that had a significant impact. We find that that Gentiles, unnamed Gentiles in unnamed cities, had uh, uh, an impact from this couple. Lord, we thank you that they were able to teach Apollos, uh, one of your servants, teach him more fully as they had learned from the Apostle Paul. Lord, I ask that we can do that, that we can share that um, here at AIC with one another in the troubled times that we face, that we can be, encourage one another, we can support one another, we can continue the ministry, we can do ministry together. Lord, I thank you so much for AIC and what you've called us to do. and I thank you in Jesus' name.